Hill misses. Rebound goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith. What? You're going the wrong way. He said you're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How do he know where we're going? So the Stay Ops Podcast, we are a day after the first game of the NBA Finals. And as you know, Jordan, I, initially I wanted to do the the podcast right before the finals, maybe get a little preview thing in, but I'm kind of glad that we waited. Yeah. And what has happened, it's been uh, especially eventful, a lot to talk about there, a lot, a lot to chew on. Uh, and by the way, once again, I have Jordan with me. What's going on, everybody? What up, Jordan? So just as a recap, um, the Golden State Warriors, and I didn't I didn't tell you this. I told a lot of people at work this. I saw the Golden State Warriors winning by 10 in game one. I gave that exact number. Okay. Uh, but nobody's going to believe me because they didn't hear me say it, which is fine. <laughs> so um, you just. You, you mentioned that after the end of the score. <laughs> right. I called it. Um, yeah, right, right. But, but that being said, we know the game was much closer than that. Oh, and yeah. LeBron James, first let me say this. When it comes to LeBron James' talent, I've always been able to put my personal feelings aside, uh, some of the little nitpicky things that he does that gets next to me. I've always been able to put those things aside. Uh, the fact that people, he has a, a busload of apologists and people who defend some of the things he does that there are no big deal per se. And and I know the man has kept away from scandal, but I'm also aware that there are ways to, given by the machine that you have behind you, there are ways to squelch certain things, even more so mm-hmm. nowadays with people going through things with more refined tooth comb. Not saying that he does. Yeah, our ways to do it. Well, one thing I've always done, I've always respected this man's talent and his abilities as a basketball player to do the things that he does. Just like I respect most anybody else's talent, especially one of the greats, which is what he truly is. One of yeah. the Um, And I don't like disrespecting anyone at the sacrifice of giving props to somebody. That's why, Absolutely. I get, that's why I get a little defensive somewhat when I talk to a LeBron James fan because it always goes to the Jordan versus LeBron argument. It can never always. be LeBron did this. It always has to be, well, Michael Jordan played against slow white guys and LeBron's playing against finely tuned athletes. We'll get yeah. into that later on and, and I think that as far as our podcast is concerned, we're going to finally dead the issue, put what we got out there, and, and just kill the Jordan versus LeBron issue. And, and you're going to speak a little to that later. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. But LeBron James had 51-8-8. Eight and eight. Mm. Absolutely, stunningly, unequivocally <laughs> remarkable <laughs> what that man did. I love the word choice. Last night. Um, yes, it, 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 I'm speechless as to what he did, but I'm going to get to the first thing. Please get let's, get let's, to it. You let's, know, let's, let's not even get to it. Let's let's do the recap. So, oh, okay. no, no, I, right. I, 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 no, you know, a second thought. Let's go. Let's go. Because <laughs> you know I'm ready. Go ahead. Come on with it. Come on I'm with gonna, it. I'm going to get to the first thing that irks me. <laughs> okay. LeBron James does not have help. Oh, boy. Yeah. I realize he's playing the Golden State Warriors, what uh, people today, especially LeBron James fans, have uh, molded into the greatest single team 
in the history of sport, supposedly. Um, and they're That's a great an argument. Team. Yeah. They're a great team. But the argument that LeBron James has no help, when you have Kevin Love, who came back, who was cleared for, from a concussion that morning, <laughs> who came in and scored 21 points and grabbed 13 rebounds. LeBron James has no help. J.R. Smith, what he did negates anything he did, but he also scored double figures. Larry Nance Jr. played the best game he's played since he's joined the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James has no help, though. I'll leave that. I'll discuss that later as well. The 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 main thing that, that irks me is um the officiating. Did you see anything as far as the officiating Jordan? And I'm I think I'm all over this all over the place because I'm I'm real fired up. But did you? Yeah, I, I, I'm letting you go ahead and go ahead and uh, take your throne, brother. Because because I understand. Because when I'm when I'm when I when I get to talking, I'm gonna be fired up too. Go ahead. What, what, what was the question again? Did you see anything as far as the officiating? that would indicate that it was slanted one way or another. Well, I mean, <laughs> the very the, the most pivotal play of that game, and th- th- this is why I say the Cavs should be up 1-0. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind the Cavs should be up 1-0. Whoever reversed that call when LeBron first was called for an offensive foul, in the Cavs' favor. I mean, even when you saw it live, the referee that was closest to the play hesitated. It was like, wait a minute, what do I, what do I call? Uh, it looked like he was about to, about to give the charge call, and then he looked in front of him. I guess he was looking at the other ref to kind of see, hey, what do you think? So that just shows you everybody was in limbo. Didn't nobody know what to call. It was a pivotal moment in the game. Didn't nobody think the Cavs would be even in the game. And then you blow that call. You blew it. LeBron's feet were clearly outside the restricted area. He was there for the charge. Yeah, he moved a little bit. He was, he was sideways, but he was there. The whole point of the replay was to see if he was outside of the restricted area. Therefore, the Cavs should have gotten the ball. This game would have been a wrap in the fourth quarter. They would have found a way to either go to the free throw line. LeBron would have held it got an and one or did something where he would have got some free throws and it would have been harder for the, for the Golden State Warriors to come back. So, so yeah, that and then the whole Tristan Thompson ejection, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see nothing. The man, okay, if he was trying to give, give a little nudge to, to Sean Livingston, he didn't do a good job. His aim is horrible because I didn't see nobody elbowing nobody in the face. His hand went under his arm when Sean Livingston shot. The man had to do something because the, the clock was counting down. I don't know if Tristan felt like, oh, you should have held it and just let the clock run out for a shot clock violation. You all already won, so don't rub it in. But, hey, that's their choice. That's not your choice. The man had to put it up. He put it up. And then Tristan came out, ran past him, put his arm under his shoulder, and Tony Brothers just went went irate, just went nuts. All right, you're out of here. Uh, come on. Really? So, so yeah, I'm going to just get off my high horse for a second. Those are the two main calls that really showed that the refereeing was was horrible. And then on top of that, when you, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna go back in for a second. And then when you went on top of that, when they went to the the uh, the, the 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 I forgot what the professional of them, the the, the retired referee, you know that they Javi. go to and they, yeah, J- Steve Javi, he even said it was a charge. So so, come on, what are we, what are we talking about here? The game was slanted. They were surprised that Cleveland was in that game. You're absolutely right. Cavs had no help whatsoever. Uh, LeBron had no help whatsoever. And they still got the job done. They should have been up 1-0. Book it. But thanks to the refs, Golden State Warriors killed them in the overtime. You're not. Are you serious? Are you saying LeBron had no help? What am I saying something wrong? Yes, he had no help whatsoever. No help. Thanks to to to, to pothead J.R. Smith. Let me let me let me break this down. And before I even get to the officiating, let me break this down. If if you if an NBA player through the course of his career averages twenty one and thirteen, where is he headed when it's over? Maybe the Hall of Fame. 
Maybe. 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 I, I, I mean, uh, that's my opinion. Maybe. Okay. Which, so one could argue that 21 and 13 is Hall of Fame-ish. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're going with this with Kevin Love. But Kevin Love, to me, sometimes you can put up empty stats in a game. I, I don't one of the biggest shots of the game. That three? Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And yet I still don't think LeBron had enough help. Maybe that's what I'm ranting about. He didn't have enough help. It, it, yes, Kevin Love, he's he's about the only one that I can say is going to be as consistent as possible. When healthy, that can give LeBron a boost. Kyle Corver can put up some shots. I'm sorry. LeBron doesn't have the help that he needs. I love what Kevin Love did yesterday because Kevin Love went back to being Kevin Love. Yes, he hit a couple threes, but Kevin Love, from from the start of the game, got on that block, and he played bully basketball, reminiscent of what he did when he was in Minnesota when it was for nothing. When the chips were on the line, Kevin Love showed that I'm going to get this ball, I'm going to get in the paint, and I'm going to produce, and that's what he did. And it, it set a, a good tone for the game. Not saying he was the best player in the game. He obviously wasn't. LeBron James obviously was the best player in the game yesterday. He he pretty much did things at will. And absolutely. That that speaks a little to Golden State's defense, whether it's by plan and design or not. But as for the officiating, I'm gonna say this. Well, I'm gonna ask you this. What's the point of instant replay, Jordan? To go back and see what the proper call should be. Get the play right. And you're telling me that they didn't get the play right, the call right. In my opinion, no. The play, the review was for a specific reason. The reason was, was he or was he not inside or outside of the restricted area? The The play had nothing to do with him moving. Yes, he moved a little bit, but he was already there. The NBA charge. The NBA rule states that the question of whether he's in or out this semicircle is only for the sake of reviewing the play. Once the play is reviewed, once it is viewed, the officials can now point out any issue involving charge block that took place on that play. So all the semicircle controversy is a gateway to actually review the play. Once you're inside of review of that play, you can look at any aspect of that play. You can even look for certain things outside of the block charge if they chose to, certain other intricacies. But ultimately, you're looking for a legal guarding position. You're looking for foot placement. You're looking for movement. LeBron James on Kevin Durant's drive to the basket was still moving left. His right foot was still dragging. He was still moving when Kevin Durant took off. He was not settled. He was turning his body, his shoulder into Kevin Durant while fading back so he wouldn't have to take the full brunt of whatever knee Kevin was bringing up. It was a block. When you're moving on a on a defensive stance, it's a block. Yes, you don't have to be absolutely still. But in that instance, LeBron is turning. It's not like it's a residual movement from momentum. He's turning to absorb the contact, which is the very definition of a block. Amen. Then there are other calls that I saw consistently complained about by the Cavaliers as well as our TV broadcasting team. There was a play where Kevin Durant went to the basket and LeBron James reached in and stripped him. He hit his wrist a little bit. Or was that George Hill? It might have been two separate plays. Reached in and stripped him. Ball came loose. They called a foul. No, no, no. That was a play where he went to the basket and LeBron stripped him. But Larry Nance Jr. grabbed Kevin Durant's shoulder and pulled back on his shoulder. A foul was called. And you proceeded to hear the broadcasters tell you how it wasn't a foul. Even though Larry Nance grabbed Kevin Durant's shoulder and pulled back. Which is why his left arm jerked back and he lost the ball. That was a foul but people complained about it. Okay. Not only that, 
the makeup call was given on the other end when LeBron went to the basket. Kevin Durant stripped the ball, and they call a foul, even though Kevin Durant got all ball, and even though the broadcast team told you that he didn't. Most of the calls in the game, in some way, form, or fashion, evened out. Because the biggest call of the game went against the Cavaliers, and it was a 50-50 call. People are going to say, yeah, it was slanted. What agenda is there for Golden State to win? What vested interest is there for Golden State to win in the NBA? I'm of the belief that if you really, really want to make a rigged call and increase ratings and increase interest in this series, because supposedly no one has interest in this series because it's supposed to be so lopsided. So in Mm -hmm. order to drum up interest for this series, wouldn't a Cleveland win do more than anything else for this series? I would have to say, yeah, I would have to agree with you. A Cleveland win would would boost ratings, would kind of just kind of turn the whole ship around. Like I told you, I, I didn't I didn't expect that the game would even be this close. I came in on the third quarter. I didn't even watch the whole game. When I came in later on, I I, I was shocked that the game was tied. And you know? also, I, I did not expect that. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. If that is the case, then the Cleveland Cavaliers, they would have they would have kind of veered to that that edge, to to, to the Cavs side. But hey, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I I disagree with some of your points, and and you do make some valid reasons why, you know, maybe that call was a a a, a blocking foul, but I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. I think you, it, it could have went either way. It could have either way. It was a 50-50, and it just went yeah, the other way. Here's my thing. You know, in any sport, when whenever you call a call at first, it should be very difficult for you to overturn it. Like, even with the instant replay in, uh, in football, your initial call is turnover on an interception or a fumble before the person's knee went down to, to say they were just down by contact before the person fumbled. If, if you automatically make that call first, or if you, you, you say, okay, this is how it was before you go to instant replay, it kind of should be hard for you to overturn it. Same way in baseball. When you see a baseball uh, play going to instant replay and they're reviewing it, it, it has to be undeniable evidence for you to overturn it. To me, that play, it, it wasn't that blatantly obvious that LeBron committed the blocking foul versus taking the charge because the initial call was, oh, that's a charge, Cleveland's ball. I don't know. That That's just my feeling on it. I'm not trying to say that I'm blind to what I saw. Again, I agree that he did move, but I don't think it, it should have been overturned. And I mean, and that's that's a very reasonable thought process. Um, also, you know, consider the fact too, that the main reason that, because one thing too, LeBron had stepped out of the, the half circle. Um, okay. It was pretty well timed, but he had stepped out. And I think the reason that had gone to replay and they kind of, they kind of embellished a bit and saying, you know, they wanted to see if he was outside, he was outside. Um, but because, you said that the, the first official hesitated. I think it was Maurer. He hesitated. Yeah, the older he official. Yep. He saw another official call something different. So it was a 50-50 between the two referees, which is why they ultimately wanted to review it. Um, so they used, they used the, that language as a loophole to review it. Um, but it was 50-50, even with the two referees. And then you, you ask, the, ask the referees, and even Javi, even though he said he would have kept it a charge, that's because of the reason you stated it was a charge on the floor, but he also said it was 50-50. You talk to several players and several former officials, even several current officials that have been uh, talked to on, on uh, different sports networks and interviewed for newspaper articles, and it's pretty much down the middle on what the call should be. So, I mean, it was a bang-bang, 50-50 play. 
And it could have it could have gone either way. But the fact that LeBron moved also means that it's not wrong if it's called a block. Um, which leads me into uh, some other issues. Yeah. Regarding Teron Lou and LeBron James and how they responded to different calls and things like that. But before we get into that, let's talk about obviously the, the biggest player of the game. J.R. Smith uh, grabbing the rebound with the game tied, but he thought they were up one, obviously. Obviously thought they were up one. Yep. And was running away from the basket. Yeah, like a chicken with his head cut off. And obviously the the, the meme patrol and the GIF patrol. Oh, my God. Crazy, man. It went crazy. <laughs> I think so, it's still man. going. Even even with us um, in our in our chat, you know, we were like, you know, obviously Jr. is high again or drunk again or on that henny. And, uh, Jr. clearly wasn't thinking clearly. Obviously, wasn't thinking clearly. And the Cavaliers never recovered. It was like a, a series of unfortunate events, and they never recovered. And my argument is this. And I'm not trying to find fault with LeBron James 51-8. However, Teron Lou and LeBron James, your coach and your leader, should have been far more composed yep. in rallying those troops as you went into overtime. You had just as much opportunity to win going into overtime. LeBron James is just as great. It's the same team. You can still make shots. If you think JR's head wasn't in it, take him out. But it was still virtually 0 0 going into overtime. You had the same five minutes to play as the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. What happened then? And I and I know there are emotional shifts in the game and things of that nature, but as the greatest player in the world, and you would hope the greatest competitor in the world. You're supposed to say to yourself, I, we can still win this. Yeah. And, you know, we, we asked the question in the chat last night, and it's my fault for making the comparison. But let's not just leave it at, at Mike. Let's leave it at the greats of the game, especially in the 80s. There's Magic. There's Larry. There's Michael. Do those players mentally fall apart after something like that if they were in a similar situation absolutely not i don't i don't i just don't see it i don't see it but my thing is i would give a little bit of wiggle room to lebron james because i mean honestly you put up 51 8 and 8 bro you're mental mentally you're probably thinking i got this when he went up and they were up, I believe, two. And he got the and one when he threw that backboard shot in one-handed over Kavon Looney and got fouled. And, you know, he's beating his chest and he's going to the free throw line. Mentally, he's probably thinking, we got this. And then when you get the supposed charge call in your head before they even switch it, you're thinking, oh, this is in the bag. So all of these different scenarios are going on. No matter who, if you're the greatest or not, you're still human. So you're going to say, okay, this is a wrap. We came in here. We did what we needed to do. Let's just finish it off. And then all this crazy stuff starts happening, whether it's whether it was valid or not. Referee switched the call. George Hill misses the last second free throw. J.R. Smith gets the rebound, runs it out, and goes to the liquor store to get some Hennessy. Like, he... All these different things just probably blew his mind away. So when you get to the, the the overtime and you give a team like Golden State, which you said, you know, you claim that, okay, one of the best teams probably ever assembled, which I, I, I can't argue with that. Obviously, they're, they're amazing. You cannot take your foot off their neck for a second. They can score in bunches like nobody's business. And so when they saw we have another chance, we should have won this game easily anyway. And now you all just gave us another chance. Oh, it's over. I don't care who you are. LeBron, Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron Jordan. It don't matter who you are. We win in this game. And they just took care of business. Uh, 
Teron Lou. I have my own de- thoughts about Teron Lou. I think he's just along for the ride, in my personal opinion. I don't think he's a great coach, so I'm not even going to go too too deep in the rabbit hole with that. But LeBron, I, I, I don't know. I give him a pass, man. He did everything he needed to do. I, I, I just think after all of those little emotional roller coasters at the end of that fourth quarter, you kind of checked out. And you could see, you could see checked out even in the interview. So it is what it is, man. But your coaches are supposed to check out, man. I mean, even if, I agree. even if, even if LeBron has checked out, and he's losing it, and he's all over the place, and he can't come yeah. out his thoughts and his emotions. Your coach cannot check out. I agree. You have to, you have to be. The, the stability you have to be that and, and that's why I've always that's always been my beef with like a Doc Rivers because Doc coaches so emotionally that if something like that happens he falls apart and I, I just I need my coach to be so uh, emotionally stable and even keel not saying that inside he's not flipping out you understand what I'm saying but on the outside, what I'm showing my team, my troops, my guys, what I'm showing them is a steady hand. Hey, cool out. We got five more minutes. We can win this. It's like after the charge call, nobody thought straight. And then after the J.R. Smith play, oh, people people couldn't put one and one together and make two after that. It's like the Cavaliers had problems putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I, I think they, they felt defeated at that point. And that can't happen. I don't care who you plan. That can't happen. If you've gone this far and you've kept up with this team, what's another five minutes? You know? Yeah. And their responses and their attitude uh, in those moments of adversity carried into the press conferences and those post-game press conferences, especially on the Cleveland side, again, I understand the frustration in the dealing with the adversity. Um, Teron Lou uh, looked like he was going to break down and cry, and, and you know the man's been you know himself. <laughs> he's dealing with some anxiety by his own admission, um, which can lead itself to some things like that. Um, but LeBron James, do you agree with the way he handled the back and forth with Mark Schwartz from ESPN? You know, to be honest with you, I didn't really catch it as much. Uh, I, 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 uh, are you wait? You 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 talking about Tehran or LeBron? Did you say Tehran or LeBron? LeBron. Oh 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 yeah, I saw that. I thought you said Tehran. Okay, yeah. I I I didn't have a problem with it. First of all, it was the last question, so I felt he was in his right to kind of get ready to go and get his person leave. Uh, I don't have a problem with what he did. It was very obvious that the reporter kept prying him, which, I mean, to be honest with you, he was doing his job. You can't knock him. That's what a reporter is supposed to do, supposed to continue to ask the question so that he can get the most out of what he's asking. He did his job, and it still was annoying. So LeBron either had the choice of answering it or answering it the way way he did. And he he, he gave him a, a somewhat of a detailed answer. You know, I don't know what J.R. was thinking. I thought everybody was on the same page. That, you know, the game was tight and, uh, you know, I'm not going to put my teammate under the bus. You know, so I don't know what you're trying to get out of me. No, oh yes, he did. He said, I don't know what you're trying to do. That was earlier in the the, the, uh, interview. But he didn't say he didn't say he wasn't trying to put his team. Had he said, I'm not going to speak to that. I'm not throwing any of my teammates under the bus. Which technically he wouldn't have been because Gerard was already under the bus. But. Hey, yeah, he, he, that, that might have been a sufficient answer. But he sat there and he pouted, man. And again, I get it. I understand the frustration of losing this game on the biggest stage that your sport has to this date. But the reason Mark Schwartz kept prying and he said, well, what was JR thinking? You know, are you privy to JR's mindset? Do you really, do you realistically believe that one, we saw Jr. say to LeBron, "I thought we had the lead." Yeah, right. So already there, you know something about what Jr. was thinking. 
Ben, do you really think that they went over and had two or three timeouts, uh, the time period before the overtime began? You really think that nothing was said to Jr.? You think they went back to the locker room and nothing was said to Jr.? So, of course, he's going to say, hey, did Jr. say anything to you? What is he thinking? How is he doing? How is he feeling? And people are saying, well, yeah, Jr. did his interview, but Mark Schwartz wasn't back there for the Jr. interview. Mark Schwartz is talking to the guy who's the face of the league, who's the face of the franchise, who takes on the mantle of team spokesman. He take, takes it on and, and name, game, and he's taking it upon himself to be the spokesman, to be the most outspoken one on the team. What's going on with your guy? What is he thinking right now? Now, had he said, hey, like I said earlier, I'm not going to throw my mans under the book. Game three uh, to other paces. When they lost game three to the Pacers, he said, y'all trying to get me to throw my guys under the bus. I'm not going to do it. That was the end of that line of questioning. But no, he sat there and he pouted and gave four-year-old answers. And, and I, I get it. You know, you're frustrated. But what was wrong with that, though, Chris? I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, if you're frustrated, you're frustrated. You don't have to give long, drawn-out answers. He, he answered those questions the way he, he, he needed to. He answered those questions the way he deemed necessary. And like you said, the man was doing his job. He's going to keep crying. So he could say, I know you're trying to do your job, but I'm not going to throw my teammate under the bus. And that would have been the end of it. You think he would have kept asking after he said that? Um, I don't think so. I, 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 like I said, I remember him saying that earlier on in the interview, not to that specific question, because there was somebody else that asked about it, and he said, I'm not you know, going to throw my teammate. Or, or, or it wasn't – maybe he didn't say it exactly as, I'm not going to throw my teammate under the bus, but it was alluding to something like that. And so – at least that's what I heard. Now, if I go back and listen to it, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll retrace my 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 statement. But if uh, if he answers it and answers it, because again, you said Schwartz asked that question a million different ways. He, uh, yeah, I don't know what what Jr. was thinking. He answered it right there. I don't know what Jr.'s mindset was. Everybody was uh, I thought everybody was on the same page, and that is what it is. You know, game one is over. We got to move on. It's already done. You know, it's in the past. Time to, you know, get ready for game two. What else do you want? Well, I mean, honestly, what other details do you want? He literally was not in JR's brain. That, that I don't know how, what, what else Schwartz was expecting him to say. JR talked to the man. We saw dialogue take place. You're talking about the same guy who, when he wanted to impress everybody with his mental recall of a basketball game reeled off a series of plays in a 13-0 Celtics run who is now speechless and doesn't understand or know anything that took place after a certain point. Mm-hmm. That's my whole point. And again, I'm not saying he had to give out any details. I'm just saying what he did say, he could have done a little better. But again, I understand the man was frustrated. I get that. But then you walk out, you grab your purse, you Mariah Carey DV your way out the door before you leave. <laughs> Held his head up high, brother. He ain't got he time for that. his head back, put on his sunglasses, <laughs> grabbed his purse. He whipped his it. Down. He made sure his shorts was, was fitting right on his suit shorts. That man. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm sorry. That man, that man tripped over a pair of, of huge scissors while before walking out the door. I don't know what that was about. And where he, where he got that for everybody, be better tomorrow? Come on. Come on. I don't know, man. I don't know. Everybody's there to do their job. And, I, again, I, I, get, I get the frustration. I get the frustration. But as the face of the league, as the number one guy, you're kind of expected to be a little more cordial. You know, it's, it's the same issue I had with Cam Newton when he lost. In the Super Bowl, it's like, yeah, no one's a good loser. It's like, uh, you're a loser if you're a good loser. I get it, but you have an obligation. Now, if you don't if you don't want to fulfill your obligation, LeBron could have said, I don't want to be interviewed tonight. Yeah. He might have got fined. He could have said that. And then people would have been like, okay, I get it. It's like, hey, I was frustrated. It was a tough game. I don't want to be interviewed tonight. No, but he came out and Really, none of the questions he really answered to any detail. But, you know, 
It is what it is. I mean, I, I, I give him a pass on it. Yeah. Out of understanding his frustration. But at the same time, you know, you go out and you tell them be better tomorrow. He's got to do better too. LeBron James, you be better when it comes to dealing with the media. You know what? I, like I said, I give him a pass. I've never seen LeBron get that irritated to the point of walking out. But again, I, I don't I, – when I see other – people walk out on their interviews, it's usually in the middle of the actual time that they should be up there answering questions. The guy already said two more questions, and then the guy asked asked the question before Schwartz, and then Schwartz got up to bat and then kept pushing a button and pushing a button and pushing a button. So LeBron answered it the best he could, and then he's like, you know what, okay, I'm gone. Well, no more questions after that anyway. So I, I don't know. I'm on the fence with that one. Both teams played hard. <laughs> Good way to end it, yep. <laughs> Moving on, um, I know you had a point that you wanted to get at. Uh, something Kobe recently did um, yeah. right before the final kicked off. What was that? Yeah, I, I will, uh, Kobe's my dude. And, and honestly, uh, uh, and a lot of people may not think this way, especially now, I would take Kobe over LeBron after Jordan. Just on my team, if I'm picking a team, it's it's MJ one, Kobe two, LeBron three. But I digress with that. His tweet, well, you know, in the middle of everybody saying, "Well, who's the best, MJ this and LeBron that," and everybody posting up stats and side by side comparisons and whatever they can do, Kobe comes out and says, "You know what? Everybody just relax, just enjoy the ride, enjoy greatness." For what it is. Don't worry about who's better than who. Just appreciate greatness. Appreciate all the goats. Like me. Hashtag enjoy my five. Hashtag enjoy MJ6. Hashtag enjoy LBJ's legacy or striving for his legacy. So I've kind of felt like that was his way of saying, hey guys, don't forget about me. You know, MJ and, and, and LeBron, but I'm here. You know, let me put my bid in. You know, it, it was a snide way of saying, you know, Kobe is still here. Black Mama hasn't gone anywhere. Stop talking about just MJ and LeBron. But regardless, I, I just I, I am also tired of the MJ and LeBron comparisons. And there was something that uh, uh, one uh, sports radio show mentioned today that, quite honestly, you can't compare these two. The defense that is played nowadays, even what's considered good defense from a team like Golden State, is not the type of defense that was played back in the 90s. So the, the, the hand checking that you could do, what, what's, not, what's not allowed you know, in this league, it's watered down. Seven I'm not footer waiting be for you when you get to the basket. Say that again? The seven-footer that's waiting for you when you get to the basket. There you go. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't get with this comparison for too much longer, man. It's, it's, it's scrambling my brain. Like, stop it. MJ was MJ. LeBron is LeBron. LeBron is the goat for this era, this generation. MJ is the goat for his time, and for most of time. And in my opinion, MJ is still the goat. Period. But regardless. Just let it go. Let them be great because they all are goats. How about we just put all the goats in one little ranch and just appreciate them all? Okay? Okay, stop stop trying to elevate one goat over another. The goats are all together. Um, I think it's Mamba being Mamba, man. It's, uh, he's going to always infuse himself into that. Uh, always remind you of his greatness. He, you know, in a lot of ways, he's like Jordan in a lot of ways. And, and he picked up yeah. a lot of those characteristics, the little, the little snide remarks, the little shots. Um, I, I think that Kobe is a, is a good combination of Michael and LeBron, actually, a good bridge between the two. Because when mm. I look at, at LeBron, and Michael was a student of the game in the sense that he looked at the history of the game and he idolized the, the David Thompsons and the George Gervins and guys like that. And he took from their game and he listened to tips from them. 
and it made him a better player. Okay. Um, but Kobe is a different kind of student of the game, uh, especially when it became a little more accessible and easier to uh, watch film and things like that. Have you seen the detail from Kobe? When he takes a player and he, he breaks them down? I think he's been doing it for ESPN lately. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't really pinpointed it. You watch it. I think he had. I think he's like ten episodes in. He's breaking down LeBron. He's breaking down Jalen Brown. Uh, I think he even took one of his games, like one of his bad games, and broke okay. it down. Um, it's it's a good watch. It's a good watch. Um, but Kobe's going to infuse himself as he should, in my opinion. Um, the competitor that he is, he's not going to let that argument go to the wayside without infusing himself, uh, especially the kind of friendly slash unfriendly rival he has with LeBron. Uh, I think with Mike, Kobe, realistically, I think Kobe thinks that Michael Jordan is the best player ever. And he, he tried to, to reach him. That's why he tried so hard to get the six. But I think Kobe understood that he fizzled out a little early before he could catch Mike. But I think the thing with LeBron is Kobe always tried to push LeBron to to be better than what he was, to be more Mike, to be more Kobe, but at the same time, in the same breath, letting him know that you're not Kobe. Like even with the All Star games, uh, or sometimes he would he would call LeBron out on not taking certain shots. He's like, yeah, hey, you should have took that shot, or that's 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 the shot that the that the star player takes, or that's the shot that the goats take. Uh, he's he's made remarks like that to kind of say, yeah, you should be taking that shot, but also I've taken that shot. So you know, it's it's Mamba being Mamba, man. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm, I'm I respect him mainly, you know, for being and doing what he did. I, I I'm I'm just personally sick of the the whole comparison thing. So just kind of put it put it to rest. Let's just enjoy. This whole ride, appreciate. I, I mean, the the main thing I can appreciate, bro, being honest, is being able to see both. I mean, actually, all three. Being able to see Mike do his thing for most of his career. You know, I was so thankful that I had a, a, a mom who was who was extremely into Bulls games. I mean, almost every night we was watching the Bulls games, and then I got into Kobe. Hated Kobe at first. Because I thought, I was like, man, who is this cat that just keep trying to kill everybody? And I just don't like him. And then, most of us did. Yeah, I, I, and, and I had to respect him. And then the same with LeBron. At first, I was just like, okay, you know what? You just jump in ship trying to just latch on to whatever's great um, to, 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 you know, kind of build your legacy, which in, in itself is true. But at the same time, you can't deny his greatness for what he individually is as a player. Uh, so I, I'm just appreciative of being able to see all three play at the peak of their powers. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a good time to be alive basketball wise. Um, I think LeBron benefits from the social media era definitely, definitely. And you find that a lot of people this generation, their voices are louder um, when they make the LeBron argument. And we're going to dead it eventually, man. I mean, I have some more thoughts into the comparisons. Um, but the time the time will come in the near future where the Stay Us podcast, as far as we're concerned, we will dead the MJ-LBJ debate. And Kobe, if he chooses to, Kobe can tweet us and uh, hashtag on Instagram on us. So we're, we're actually asking you, Kobe, at us, bro. At us. <laughs> uh, another thing we want to get into. I know you're a Cub fan. Hey, hey, hey! Say that with a little bit more pep in your voice, okay? Don't, 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 don't disrespect me. Tell the Brewers that. So, <laughs> you Darvish, I guess, is inside of his feelings. Again. Yeah. Yeah, he's been on the ten day DL disabled list for uh, uh, twice now. Um, 
not really liking how this this trade is uh coming together right now. I mean, I'm, I have high hopes that eventually this guy is going to turn around and actually be the pitcher that we expected. I have no doubt of that, but he has to get over his jitters. You know, yes, you came to a huge market, but I mean, you played in Texas. You played in L.A. You did kind of suck when it came time to, to really show what you had in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know if they were they were tipping pitches or not, but what did you say? He was trash. I told you he was trash for L.A. last year. Hey, okay, all right. Everybody. It wasn't a trade. It was a flat-out signing, right? Was it? Yeah, it, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was a Money well spent. Money well spent. Oh, you, you know what? I, I don't I don't appreciate your, your, your sarcasm, sir. Anyway, my whole point is this is going to turn around. I, I have faith that you is going to be the pitcher that he always has been a very, very good pitcher, has a, a, a number of talented pitches that he can throw. I mean, probably more than any pitcher in the league. He has a lot of variations of pitches. But my thing is he has to get over this this whole, I don't know, the the, 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 the jitters of being in this this big city and, and being uh, maybe a little traumatized from perhaps some of the, the hatred that's being thrown his way. Because from what I heard, he checks Twitter. He checks social media a lot. He, he, he looks into what fans are saying about him. And obviously, because he got off to a bad start, uh, he probably is getting his, in his feelings. You know, and he needs to just ignore the noise, get back to being you, Darvish, and let's get another World Series trophy. Okay. Baez is playing really well. Yes, he is. Yes. I- I'm glad you noticed that. Baez is uh, is doing very well. He kind of fell off a little bit from what he how he started. But uh, overall, he's doing very good. It seems like he's getting a little bit more understanding of not swinging at every single thing that comes up there. You know, having a little bit more plate discipline, more, more patience at the plate, which is what he really was struggling with. And if he can overcome that and, you know, kind of hone that skill a little bit more, being more patient, getting his pitch, waiting for his pitch, letting the pitcher kind of dig his own hole, and then, you know, knocking that thing out of the park or, or hidden, you know, to all all fields, then he can be even more dominant because obviously you know what he does on the defensive side. That goes without saying, you know, hence the nickname El Mago. But it, it is it is a, a breath of fresh air to see him kind of improve and take it to another level. Now I think he just needs to improve a little bit more and we might be talking about a, a really, really good player. What actually does El Mago mean? Uh, El Mago is the magician, sir. Okay? The magician. He does things that you just cannot comprehend on the defensive side. He is an amazing artiste when it comes to defense. And he makes the game look fun. I mean, he just brings fun to the game. Even when he's running the bases, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, you know, in your, in your short period of time watching the Cubs, because I know you don't watch them. But when you probably have, if you have, his his sliding and, and, and base stealing ability, even when he's already been beat, like say you're the catcher, you're throwing the second base, he's already been beat, the throw is already there before then. He does this little slide thing where he shows you his left hand and then he takes it away and then he tricks you into thinking that, okay, this is an easy tag, and then voila, he's gone and he's safe. So, you know, El Marco, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, we'll we'll give you some nicknames on the south side, okay? When once the south side gets a little bit more relevant, we'll come up with some nicknames for them. But until now, they're they are now the lovable losers. No one loves them. Um, oh, I was I was just being nice. Okay. I mean, I love them, but I mean, I'm, we don't we don't need a, a moniker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just need patience, my friend. Yes, patience is key. Patience and good health. Little Lou Bob, a little Jimenez, a little Kopech. I agree. I agree. I I'm actually excited to see what they'll do. That that is going to be nice. And you are, and and we're already beginning the the ascension of Moncada. So 
Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, He's Robinson Cano without the steroids. Oh, really? He's Robinson Cano without the steroids. Okay. All right. Whatever that means. We'll see. We will see. I, I have no doubt. Yes, there, there's no doubt that man has a lot of talent. So we'll see. But um, as far as baseball right now, because uh, my team, the White Sox, are are you know a work in progress. Um, I do find that I can look at more of the league um, because the NBA is so hot and heavy right now. I haven't been as focused as I could be once this is over. When we get past the draft, I'll pay attention to baseball for about a month, and then football will start. Um, but the Angels seem like they they got something with Otani. Oh, yeah. Shohei. Shohei. And, I mean, again, man, he's, he's phenomenal. I, I'm seeing some of the pitches he's throwing. You're talking about a guy who throws a splitter that falls right off the side of the table. And then comes right back and hits you with one hundred and one. It's it's a sight to behold, man. Yeah, it, it is nasty. I have actually not seen him uh, throw just yet. I've seen some highlights, but it, I, it is nasty. But enough about the baseball. Game two of the NBA Finals is scheduled for Sunday. Correct. So, yeah. What do you think is going to go down Sunday? How do you see that playing out? Um, still in uh, Oakland, right? Still in Oakland. Uh, yeah, this this is going to go two zero. I, I don't think Golden State is going to even play around this time. Uh, one thing that was a, a, a big factor was KD didn't even show up in Game One, so that could be a possibility. From what I'm hearing, Iguodala might be back. So if that man is back. That's defense, so yeah. Sorry, Cat. I, I think right now Iguodala coming back might hurt them. Um, and I, I'm not saying long term. I'm just saying for that game. You think so? Yeah, you'd be trying to rearrange the rotation, and you know, I I personally see Cleveland winning that game anyway. Wow, wow! It was so much fuss and hubbub about Game One. Cleveland's going to get game two. So, you know, that's that's what I see. Again, oh. as I always say, I've been wrong before, and I don't care about being wrong again. Um, but I, I see Cleveland pulling away with game two. Um, it's, it's probably good we did this podcast today uh, around the time we did it, man, because had we done this – 24 hours or even 12 hours earlier. But I, I was ready, man. I I was fired up. And I was able to calm down a little bit and be a little more reasonable and somewhat unreasonable. But, uh, you know, a, a lot is in, involved when you have it's an established rivalry really at this point uh, with these teams. Yeah. One thing, and, and just to, to touch on this, um, Something I heard on Sports Talk today, and it, it referred to, and again, this kind of this kind of winds into the goat conversation. But I, I just want to uh, mention this: that how teams have been constructed, the Golden State Warriors have been constructed to defeat LeBron, and I don't think that that's the case. Mm-hmm. The blueprint on beating LeBron was kind of out. And, you know, he's, he's evolved as a player since. But I think that the Golden State Warriors were a direct, a direct child of what LeBron did. I think by merging the three in Miami, that opened the door for a lot of these Marvel team-ups. You know, so now you have the Golden State Warriors who ultimately the the base of their team is homegrown talent. Right. Drafted, developed, brought in. Uh, Iguodala was there 
and then you know as a as a piece, and then they kind of developed some other guys, even Harrison Barnes, uh, who's now in Dallas, doing fairly well. Um, he was a homegrown talent, and Kevin Durant said, "Hey, I want to make sure I win a title," so he went to Golden State. So I don't I don't think it was a a thing. I think Kevin Durant coming to Golden State was out of fear of Golden State more so than the fear of LeBron. Um, but he's, LeBron started something. And the fact that Miami won when they did should be appreciated a little more because as we've seen with Oklahoma City, just throwing guys together. Even mm-hmm. so with the Lakers, I think, just throwing guys together doesn't mean you're going to win. That's true. Um, the Lakers were old, though. But even with young guys like OKC showed us, just having the presence of talent doesn't mean you're going to win. So I did want to throw that out there, The that the Oklahoma – not the Oklahoma City. I'm thinking about those problems. The Golden State Warriors um, are more a, a, a child of the Miami Heat doing what they did and Kevin Durant foreseeing that Golden State was going to put their foot in Oklahoma City's chest for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think it really had anything to do with LeBron. I think the West I think the Western Conference was fairly confident that no matter where LeBron went they could beat him. Cuz you saw it with the Spurs, you saw it with the Warriors. You know, the man when KD went over, he was he was already 3 and 5, right? No, 3 and 3 and 4. Three and five. He's already yeah. three and five. So, so I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, any Western Conference team was truly afraid of where LeBron was going, especially in the East. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That being said, uh, we're going to close out this edition of the Stay Eyes podcast. You heard a uh, fired up Jordan, heard a fired up Chris today. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Stay Eyes Podcast. Also on Twitter by the same handle. Uh, until next week, we'll have some um, more previews. We'll probably uh, eventually try to get some NBA draft talk because the draft comes in right behind the NBA Finals. Um, so while we're sitting in and and we're we're chewing and and processing what's going on in the NBA Finals. You got a lot of draft talking, a lot of draft developments going on in the background uh, that we can address as well. So, yeah, going forward, the podcast, man, we're going to talk some draft. We're obviously going to do some recaps on the NBA Finals. It should continue to be riveting, even though, you know, people think one team is highly favored. You still have the greatest player in the league uh, right now playing on the other side. So that could make for, for quite a bit of drama. And that could make for anything being liable to happen. And perhaps we can also reach out to J.R. Smith and sit him down for a second, too. I don't want to reach out to J.R. Smith. Let me make mention of this, too. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of memes that LeBron James is going to go and have and, and, and throw hands and, and lay paws on J.R. Smith. Slap him upside his head. <laughs> People don't realize that J.R. Smith is a gangbanger who regularly has Hennessy in his blood flow. <laughs> he's he's probably this man fought a whole stadium full of Chinese people. Um I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, it might not be the best move is just up and pick fights with J.R. Smith. Just let the man admit that he's wrong and hope he hit shots in game two. Well there it is. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> because drunks have no fear, and he don't care if he get hit a couple times. He is going to swing, and nope. he'll connect. Feel no pain. Feel no pain. With that being said, we're going to sign off. This has been the Stay Out Podcast. I am Chris. We've kicked it with Jordan. Yes, sir. Peace out, everybody. Till next week. All right. <laughs>